Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Prophetico. It's good to be back in the saddle. Uh, here, we're going to talk tonight uh, about, well, uh, prophetic things off the charts, the rise of the red heifer. Um, it was very important to me when I took a look at this. Uh, of course, everybody over there on the social networking site there, took a look at it, and delve into it rather deeply. This announcement, why did they pick? Um, and I'm going to show you things that's probably going to rattle your cage a little bit because they knew exactly what they were doing. And it's amazing to me uh, that I really haven't heard uh, too much about this out of anybody's mouth, uh, prophetically speaking. So we're going to take a listen to uh, the actual uh, announcement that was made on July the 12th. Uh, I found it to be uh, rather interesting indeed. And just the signs that they plainly uh, displayed within uh, the advertisement itself was rather uh, quite amazing to me. Uh, I thought that it was just off the charts. So, let's take a listen to it. For 2,000 years, we've been waiting for a perfect red heifer, a paraduma. You know, people think that finding a real red heifer is impossible. But the truth is, there are thousands of red cows throughout the world. Go to Google and search for images of red cows and you'll see red Angus in America, you'll see Shetland in the Scottish Highlands, and you'll see red cattle in Norfolk Island, just to mention a few. There are many red cows throughout the world, and the challenge is not to find a particular red cow. The challenge is to raise a perfect red heifer according to the exact biblical requirements here in the land of Israel. Well, it's time to stop waiting and start doing it. The Temple Institute has embarked upon an unprecedented historical project to raise a herd of red cows here in the land of Israel. After decades of intensive study and research, the Institute has partnered with an Israeli cattleman and, using state-of-the-art technique and under strict rabbinical supervision, we're going to raise a herd of red cows here in Israel. We're going to select a proper candidate from this herd for the fulfillment of the biblical requirements of the commandments of the red heifer. Make no mistake, this project is nothing less than the first stage of the reintroduction of biblical purity into the world, the prerequisite for the rebuilding of the Holy Temple. For 2,000 years, we've been mourning the destruction of the Holy Temple. But the future is in our hands. You can become part of history. Help us to make this project become a reality.
what an amazing clip there. <laughs> of course, I took one look at it, and uh, there was a particular sign that occurred at the uh, 1 minute 52 second mark that, of course, included the 153 time duration. And looking at this sign, uh, which I provided uh, there in the show notes as this uh, this episode's photograph, first thing that jumped right out at me, of course, was 1010. It was then that I knew exactly uh, what was going on. But it disturbed me as to why, uh, the particular reasons as to why they wanted to announce it on this particular day. Uh, because I knew that that had everything to do with a Rabbi Aaron of Medina. I knew that. And unfortunately, there are more ways than one in this video that makes reference to him, especially the dress. Uh, that the particular people were wearing. But there is one thing that he is known uh, quite a lot for. Now, I'm going to start out uh, telling you this, that this occurred uh, in a very prophetic window in time uh, because this occurred when Saturn uh, was, of course, in Libra. That's when it happened. Uh, Saturn was supposed to be uh, there in the scales. And nobody realizes how deeply that goes in Bible prophecy because Libra uh, in the heavens is uh, quite literally, um, it comes right out and describes it in the text, in the verse, with the red heifer. It comes right out and says it. Uh, if you go to uh, Numbers 19, verse 2, uh, you'll take note there, uh, I'm going to read it out of the Septuagint. Uh, this is the constitution of the law, as the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. Let them take for thee a red heifer without spot, which has had no spot on her, on which no yoke has been put. This word here is zugos in Greek. It's not Latin. It was never Latin. It was always Greek. And uh, that there is the beam, the balance beam. Uh, that is what a scale is. Uh, and prophetically speaking, that's exactly uh, the way a yoke is. You use a yoke to, of course, uh, tie two uh, oxen uh, together and balance the load. Especially when you take a look at, at the uh, picture uh, of a dual yoke and the pieces therein uh, that's required to manufacture such a thing. But I hope everybody realizes that yoke right there is Libra. That's Libra in the Greek. Zugos. Uh, so uh, a lot of people don't don't realize uh, that this is all over Bible prophecy, the sign in the heavens known as Libra. Uh, I hope that everybody is well familiar with Daniel uh, chapter 8 and verse 25, uh, directly uh, pointing you to, of course, the false prophet, which is the Assyrian. Five right out of the Septuagint. The yoke of his chain shall not prosper. There is craft in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by craft shall destroy many. And he shall stand up for the destruction of many, and shall crush them as eggs in his hand. But this is all over uh, Bible prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's all over it. Um, of course, uh, one of my brothers, uh, John Mark Gomez, today on the social networking site, 
just randomly decided to bring up uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, just take note uh, that the constellation Libra is there in three verses. It's in 5, 25, and 29. Uh, so when you're able to uh, perceive these things, well, uh, it becomes quite prophetic indeed. Now, you'll take note uh, that the day uh, that they wanted to uh, release this, it was uh, pretty prophetic as far as timing, uh, because the moon itself was, at this point, uh, of course, 26 days old. And it was right before uh, the moon becomes full. So. Uh, just take a note in, in reference and doing it on this day. Uh, the rabbis always do everything off of the calendar. They always work off their own history. And now I normally uh, do not put any of the modern things into the bridal uh, timeline because it's not. It has nothing to do with bridal history. Uh, this is quite simply the Kabbalah unbound. Uh, so just take note. Uh, a severe ramifications that we're looking at. Uh, as soon as I uh, was pointed out uh, by my brother Keith uh, Daly there on the social networking site, the 1 minute 52 second mark, once I looked at it, I knew what was going on. Uh, I knew exactly why they had done it on July the 12th. Uh, and I knew exactly what that was in reference to. Now, just take note, uh, here in a little while, uh, we're going to go over these verses, and the first thing that uh, people want to know, uh, why don't we know uh, that this is the exact uh, word uh, from Revelation 6-5? Uh, they want to know, and they usually get very upset uh, when I tell them uh, that, yes, that, that is the word there. That is actually saying Libra. Uh, there, that is in uh, the hand of the rider of the black horse. It's Libra. It always was. It is the beam, the balance beam, which can be used as a scale or a yoke. It's that very thing. So we're going to go over those uh, verses in uh, the Greco Bible source code, which is the Septuagint uh, leaked together, uh, cupped together, creating a Greco Bible uh, with the Adidorgia. So we're definitely going to cover those things uh, in the Bible source code. But uh, right now, uh, I want everybody to know that this particular uh, Rabbi Aaron of Medina, um, many of the prayers that are said for the dead originate with him. And more importantly, there's other things associated with him as to why uh, they were wanting to use this particular date, because it is by him and through him that they are hoping uh, that they have their unleashing uh, an outpouring of the Spirit. Everyone is well familiar with that prophecy. That uh, even a uh, Spirit will be poured upon their sons and daughters. They believe, in their heart of hearts, that this involves a rather particular entity. And for such a time as this, I've had my son Aaron uh, look into these things, and he's going to uh, join us. And uh, we're going to take a look at this. Uh, so it's a very uh, special honor to uh, have my uh, son joining us. It should be uh, rather interesting. So, uh, Aaron, do we have you safe and sound on the switchboard, buddy? 
Hey. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you just fine, bub. Uh, okay. You know, when we got to talking about this earlier today, I didn't let you know where it was going, and I didn't let you know it had anything to do with the red heifer uh, or the oh. constellation Libra, or why they wanted to do it on this day. But when I make mention of that, you know, the prophecy, son, that the Jews are waiting for, they're waiting for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Looking yeah. back on the afternoon and your studies, I'm sure now you understand why we're going to say some of the things we're going to say, right? Yeah. I, yep. All right, bud. Why don't you uh, go over what you found and just uh, um, just share with the listener uh, what type of entity we're talking about, where it comes from, and, and who has used it in the past. Of course, the gentleman I just referred to, the of course, the Italian uh, Kabbalist, uh, Aaron of Modena. Uh, used it. But why don't you share with us all you found, and particularly uh, what you found in the Bible source code, whether it be the uh, Hebraic or the Greco. Uh, just jump right in, and you know, no reason to be nervous. Uh, just share with us what you've got, man. Okie dokie. Um, this um, Rabbi Aaron, well, it is tradition that he was visited by an angel known as a Magid. Uh, it's it's supposed to be a voice, a voice that's uh, of an angel that talks to people uh, and gives them messages. And it's supposed, and it is said that this rabbi was visited by him and studied with him, even. And uh, as I'm looking at this, it says. Uh, it is related a lot to Rabbi Joseph Caro. And he... And he was... Uh, was an author of the last greatest... the last great codification of Jewish, Jewish law, which is still authoritative for all Jews. And, well, he was, he was said to have, he was said to have uh, talked to this Magid angel. And the, through my studies, a lot of it pointed to this place called Safed, land of Israel. And I thought I might point out a few things about it that, well, well, Safed is actually a city that it remained a center of the Kabbalah, also known as Jewish mysticism. Uh, it is, according to the Book of Judges, uh, it was the place assigned to the tribe of Naphtali, the legend has it that Safed was founded by a son of Noah after the Great Flood. And it says that, well, I'm, I would have to point this out because it's a name that came across through the rest of my searching. And 
a man named Josephus, and he was a Roman Jewish historian. And it was a fortified Jewish town in Upper Galilee mentioned in his writings. And I'll come back to this Josephus. Remember that name. I'm going to be back with him. And, well, now let's look a little into this Magid angel. Well, a Magid can refer to a preacher, uh, but uh, that kind of goes off track here. It can also refer to an angel that is that, that came from Second uh, Samuel fifteen thirteen, and well, the word uh, I searched up, and in Samuel fifteen thirteen, here's what it says. Then a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of men of Israel are with Absalom. This word, then a messenger, the word messenger, it comes from a word, nagad, which is uh, H5046 in the Strong's, and it is to be conspicuous, to be like pointed out. And, well, you can't help but see, you know, that word messenger. We all know that the word angel came from, actually comes from Greek, the word messenger. And so we went to looking into that. I was thinking maybe it does have something to do with, maybe it does have something to do with angels. And... So I look into it. Well, so I turn to Greek, and it doesn't change too much. It says, there came a messenger to David. And, well, technically this thing came means, and one came reporting to David. So this first word, this wor- first word is... Paraginomai, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, which is G3854, and it means to be be beside or to arrive. And in the saying, in, in this, you know, the way it was said, and one came reporting to David, this word one would have to be this word, paragonomai. So, but, however, right next to it, this word reporting, which is the best best word relating to this. Messenger, announced, declare. That's how the Hebrew usually calls it. It usually translates this word, magid, it translates it with declare. Well, in Greek... The word reporting is the word for angel. Actually, it's a compound word, which is apagello, G518. And the first part of it means from or away from. And 
to announce or or report. And of course, Ag- Agilo comes from Agilos, which means an angel. So, so that is something interesting to point out here. That maybe it is an angelic being, and so we look at a little into that. Well, I actually first resort first resorted to the Hebrew word for maggot, and I searched through all the through all the entire Bible with this, and I one of them that actually that most pointed out to me was Jeremiah four fifteen. This word is also in, and it has remember declare. That's what. Maggot is usually pronounced, uh, usually uh, translated. For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims wickedness from the mount from Mount Ephraim. Well, I go back and Maggot was supposed to be a voice who talks to a person, a specific person. And well. That well, that pointed out specific things to me, and I was this just now it also hits me. Mount Ephraim, the man I mentioned before, who also was a man who uh, who was supposedly visited by a maggot, was named Joseph Ben Ephraim Cairo. Ephraim is in his name. I thought I might as well just point that out. Anyway, so, as I was looking up, I came up to something that that was pointed at, which uh, pointed out a little bit more to me about the maggot. And this is what it tells me. That the Kabbalists of Safed Remember that town I told you about? That city named Safed, supposedly from Naphtali? Uh, Well, it says, in discussion of Magadine, the Safed Kabbalist Moses Cordovero actually included Dybbuk-like demons and evil spirits with this category. And, well... Uh, for those who don't know what a dipic is, is well, in some that is basically a demon in one who possesses you. Some think, some say that it's a human ghost, but of course that's not. So, but it would be a demon. It's just kind of like pointing out a specific kind of demon. Some kinds of demons just like to mess with people. Some try to lead them astray. Some some haunt houses. Well, but these specific dibics are are get is the name given to one who possesses a human being to do bad things or do its will. So, well, another thing about this is is that in some beliefs there was an opposite of the dibic, and it was called an iber. Uh, an iber was a good spirit that possessed you. And it wasn't to do any harm. It was supposed to uh, 
finish off uh, something finish off something good. And this guy who pointed this out, who said that that these who included the Dibbics and evil spirits with the Magadim, well, his name was this man named Moses, who was a r- rabbi. Uh, we I looked into him, and this man was uh, was a central figure in the hi- historical historical development of the Kabbalah, and. Of course, he came from Safed. This comes up a lot because of Kabbalism. And, well, when we go back to this rabbi named Aaron uh, of Modena, uh, he, he was a student of a man named Rabbi Menachem Azariah of Fano. We look into him, and well, he was he was a disciple of this man uh, Moses, and and he supposedly uh, it well Joseph uh, shortly before shortly. This man named Rabbi Joseph Cairo, the man who met one of these Madin, uh, I mean, did I get that wrong? Yeah, the Magadim. Sorry about that. Uh, he uh, was uh, make. He had made uh, a commentary on a book, and he shortly before his death. He gave it to a uh, he gave it to uh, Mantua for publication, and Fano, this man who was the uh, who was the teacher of Aaron, was uh, he took he took the expense of making it, of you know, uh, publishing the book. Well, anyway, look, looking into the Dybbuk, this name, Josephus, came along, and it says, earlier accounts of possession, such as that given by Josephus, were of demonic possession rather than that by ghosts. So, Josephus attached to Saphid as well. And Josephus was... Uh, first century Romano Jewish scholar, historian, and a hagiographer who was born in Jerusalem, then part of Roman Judea. And, well, it was just a strange attachment he had in all this. Josephus did. Yeah, anyway, it's like it... Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's like it all comes around back around the circle. They're they're all associated with each other. This is coming from the same root. Mm-hmm. Let me uh, yeah. ask you a question. Uh, you said something earlier that this was also connected to an ibur, correct? Yes. Tell me, Aaron, what is that? In 
uh, as I said before, it's an opposite of a dybbuk, and it's supposed to be a good spirit. Associated with what? Well, well, he, they were, well, they were believed to actually be human spirits that were uh, supposed before they. It's said that before they go to heaven, they have to complete some sort of task to be wise enough to go into God's presence. Right. Well, you realize that the abur means pregnancy in Hebrew. Yes. Yes. Means pregnancy or or imprint or impregnation. That's right. So we're really talking about uh, three different forms of uh, Kabbalistic spirits uh, by every stretch of imagination. There is uh, a maggot, which is supposed to be uh, so righteous it must be uh, an angel. We have the Dybbuk and we have the Avor. Uh, these are three separate entities, and they're all really, uh, well, we know what they must be, correct, Aaron? Uh, there's not yeah. people uh, running around. Yes. Uh, you and I have discussed this at length. Uh, what would these uh, entities actually be, Aaron? Are they people running around, or what are they? What are, them, are you asking specifically about the Dybbuk, the Iber, or them both? All three. Well, there are no human spirits still here here on earth. God keeps his word. And nothing in his word changes at all. So, every human is, uh, is here either here on earth, in a fleshly body, or they are in Hades or paradise uh, waiting for judgment day, where they will go to heaven or hell. Well, and all, well, the thing about this is, is of course, the demons, which you probably talked about before, which are the sons of the angels. These, these abominations known as the Nephilim, were half human, half angel, and though, when humans die, they go to paradise or Hades, and when angels are punished, they are put in the abyss. There's no place for an in-between, this abomination. And the Lord used these demons to stay here on earth to test his people. And these demons are run amok and do evil. And they are waiting for the great day that the Lord returns and they will be thrown into hell. These are the demons, which would be the Dybbuk, technically. Well, and, uh, son, let me ask you this. What's the two different types of uh, of entities for which you've referred? Um, you and I have talked about them at length. Of course, you named the one. Um, you, you call them by a generalized term, and that is proper. Uh, they are... Uh, by every stretch of the imagination, uh, the biblical calls them in its context Nephilim. And yes. that is a very good name for the one. But describe to us the two different classifications of these children of the fallen. Well, are you referring to the animals? Yes, I am. Well, 
as the Bible, as we can recall that one time in the Bible when Jesus, uh, when Jesus told his disciples that they could not take a demon out of this little boy because he was not, this demon was a different kind, and it can only be taken out by prayer, fasting and prayer. Of course, Jesus, being the Christ, uh, could tell this demon to come out, but humans, they can't talk to these demons, and they are different. Uh, either they are, as the Bible tell, tells us in Genesis 6, that all flesh was corrupted. God didn't just wipe out mankind. He had Noah take a, a very little amount of each animal onto the ark. He was wiping everything out. Everything was corrupted. Uh, God never punishes one and not the other. Uh, one God never punishes one and another for no reason. So the de- so well it can be it can be understood that well as the Lord commanded his people never to do call, as what we call bestiality today um well these angels must have had a union with animals as well and this was probably could probably be considered much more deranged than even the nephilim were and these and these uh monsters which are probably what we call the dinosaurs or the the monsters in greek mythology these creatures were reasonless they were animals and but as we can see in the bible um when they when it possessed this little boy it would throw him into the fire and in, into water to kill him so these anim- these animalistic creatures were fueled are probably all fueled by rage av- being i mean animals have minds of their own as well and as you can you as much as you can drive a human insane you can do the same with an animal and an animal does have a small kind of our own mind and they can they are these evil they, they are these unclean spirits as well and right. and well these are the two kinds of demons there is right. this, there are the specifically evil ones though the wicked spirits are also called unclean spirits the name seems to go best with these animals because these animals i wouldn't consider evil they were abominations they are monsters right. well they they, they were unclean the corrupted well, flesh this, well this ties right in with why two different kinds of ma- of animals went on the ark. Only two different kinds of animals went on the ark, Aaron. The clean and the unclean, correct? Yes. Okay, so we need to remember that. And this is why, and ladies and gentlemen, if you want to go back uh, into my archives, I did a show on uh, the chimeras in the Septuagint. Now, they're all over the place. So basically, for future reference, the Nephilim would be, uh, when I refer to them specifically, I'm talking about the a wicked spirits, those that are half angelic, half man. When I refer to the unclean, I'm being quite specific in dealing with the chimera, those that are half 
angelic and half beast. So that's basically what we do it. But um, I'm going to play a clip right now, Aaron, a pretty good little uh, two-minute documentary uh, that I found. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let, let me reiterate what I said before. Uh, we're dealing with uh, three separate types of Kabbalistic entities. Um, and no matter how they're painted, uh, they are not uh, altogether nice. So, this is going to be a short three-minute documentary. True story about the people who actually found a dipper box and then all sorts of weird things started happening. Even though it, it sounds sort of like mystical or like a fairy tale, it is um, it is a real thing in the in the Torah that it, it speaks about um, different types of demons that can attach themselves to a person. It lives between the living and the dead. And you have this mysterious entity coming in and being part of life. And that, I think, speaks to a lot of people who are searching. And I think that's what's unique about this story and about the whole concept of a dipic. A dipic is a soul that has found no rest and therefore takes over another body. You have to understand the Dibbuk is trying to escape punishment for its sins. The avenging angels punishing the spirit cannot touch it when it's inside the body of a human being. You know, you have this soul that is in limbo, trying to find permanence, trying to find comfort. And you have your own soul. And there's that struggle. certainly physical symptoms of being possessed by a dibbuk. There is a kind of hysterical behavior. There is jerking of limbs. There is violent convulsions, odd body postures. Physically, the voice would change. There's some supernatural powers as well. The most recent case I know of uh, occurred two years ago, 2010, in Israel where a rabbi exercised a woman whose body was taken over by a dibbuk. And it created quite a ruckus because we thought these things do not happen anymore, but they do. The rabbi is invoking God's name to say to the dibbuk, I am the representative of God, dibbuk, leave. You know, it's definitely a metaphor for all of our lives. You know, we all have our little box with our our demons in them and you know, sometimes like when you you open that up you know, it comes flooding out and you can't get it back in you know that's what the whole life is about is to be surrounded by culture that can suppress that evilness that the primal brain that can turn us into monsters so that was a pretty uh, interesting little documentary there um, it is amazing uh, to me uh, when people um, don't realize 
right out uh, in broad daylight. It's absolutely amazing. So, Aaron, do we have you back after that short uh, documentary? What did you think about that, buddy? Hmm. Have I lost Aaron? Yes. Am Am I here now? Yeah, I got you. I just hit the wrong button. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I kept hearing these beeping. I'm sorry. I, I didn't touch. I didn't think I touched anything. No, anyway. You're good. I. Yeah. These. These. Uh. It, it was very interesting, of course, and. So it was very interesting uh saying of how these uh human spirits may have escaped punishment, but it's impossible, and the Lord will not allow would probably never allow a soul to escape his grasp because he knows where everyone is, and he can take a a spirit out of anyone if he wishes, so right. So every soul is in the pla- their waiting places, except for these demons. The demons are the only ones here, the only spirits outside the body that roam this world. That's right. They're the only ones with no place to go. So it's very interesting uh, why this day was chosen of July the 12th. You know, I know you take you took a look into the scripture and uh, chased down some of these things. Um, you mentioned there about, of course, the book of Samuel. Ladies and gentlemen, these things yeah. are real. And we all need to understand why this has got to be tied with their hopes in the ashes of the red heifer because... Technically speaking, uh, the ashes of the red heifer used to make the water of cleansing would not only be able to cleanse, uh, of course, anything that had become unclean, it would be able to make the way for the outpouring of the Spirit, a way for a maggot to speak to us. And immediately... Everybody would bring up um, the idea that they might know where I'm going with this. Of course, the two witnesses, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about the two witnesses, okay? (laughs) Many people say they are men uh, that have already went to heaven. Of course, Enoch, or perhaps Elijah, and Moses. But you have to understand that there's something there in the scripture which you're overlooking, overlooking quite irrationally. Aaron, we do know that there was one spirit of a prophet that did come up, do we not? Yes, you remember do. the witch of Endor? <laughs> yes. You remember the witch of Endor? And the first time you asked me about that, tell me what happened mm-hmm. there with uh, King Saul, Aaron. Well, King Saul had disguised himself, and because, of course, he was afraid, he was probably afraid that uh, he would be disdained because he had thrown out all, purged 
Israel from witches, and he was running to one. But when he went to meet this witch, this witch didn't know who he was, and he said, bring up a spirit for me of Samuel. Uh, this witch was was a conjurer, and she brought up demons. Of course, demons, uh, most people believe in ghosts, like through the Ouija board or other things, uh, like psychics who supposedly talk to the ghosts of spirits that are still here. But demons still have their fun in certain things, and a common one is pretending to be human spirit. Sometimes they had a human spirit that they had something to do with in the past. And, well, she probably suspected one. She probably suspected that a demon was going to come in the form of Samuel, but she was terrified when she saw Samuel come up. And she said she saw spirits coming up. And then she saw Samuel. And she was terrified. We noticed... I mean, I would like to point out that Samuel said, why have you disturbed my rest? And that tells us a little thing about spirits to me. That these demons, about demons that, well, in the, um, we know that Jesus uh, told, told people about how this generation was going to be with demons. That demons would go through restless lands looking for, looking for a place of rest and they would come back to their old bodies if they didn't find any. And that word rest, it just makes me think that maybe these demons are in a state of tiredness. Like, that they need to be, have rest, and maybe something that they can tr they try to grasp whenever they possess a human being. I, I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, well, Samuel's... Which, did ahead. you want to point something? Uh, well, I was kind of going, going, continuing on with the subject of Samuel. Did you want to just say something? No, go ahead. Well, Samuel, she didn't suspect that Samuel wasn't to come, was going to come up, and that is, of course, because the Lord God can do whatever He wishes, and He allowed Samuel's spirit to actually come up and speak to Saul. And it was at that moment that she that that she saw. It, it was at that moment that she realized that Saul had disguised and had tricked her. She realized that it was him. So, out of so that is only t as far as we know, that's the only time a human spirit has ever returned to Earth. Well, you realize what technically you would define the spirit of Samuel in this instance would be, don't you? In Iber. <laughs> or a maggot. Yes. Correct? Yep. You'd have to pull well, an Iber on one or the other. An Iber or a Dybbuk would have to be well, that's the two div that would have to be the two divisions of of these maggots. That's right. So you would technically define this, this being a maggot, you would have to define this as an ibur, or like you said before. That word in Hebrew means pregnant, it means to, uh, or incubated, or impregnated. 
So this is kind of off the charts when we realize where this is going, why this is so absolutely important that the Kabbalist could get this message over with the Red Heifer. The ashes of the Red Heifer will give them the ability, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to clean anything, especially those that are possessed. And we need to understand that in doing so, they hope to be able not only to invoke the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the latter times, it also means that they will have uh, their way uh, to purify whatever they want. But, Aaron, you said something very important. This word is used in the Hebraic Bible source code, and it does mean preacher. Does it not? Which word? Yeah, the word, word for the uh, for the maggot. Yes. Yes, it, and especially it, in its plural form, the maggotim. Yes. Uh, so. There, so, would you like to uh, share with us where these verses are at in the Bible, please? Yeah. Yes, sure. Uh. I, how I found what this word, I, I explained to you how I found what this word, maggot, was in Greek, because I just looked, I just looked, uh, the best word that described it, like the word that declares, uh, for a voice that declares from Dan, in Greek it would it says, uh, for a voice of one publishing from Dan shall come. Uh, I would like to stop and point this out. Uh, that the voice declares wickedness from the mount from Mount Ephraim. Uh, in that that is obviously in reference to the Magadim. Anyway, so I looked at the Greek side of these uh, all these verses in Hebrew, and what I found was that it was commonly used for preacher. Uh, and like say for instance uh, in Roman 10:14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed how will they believe in him whom they have not heard and how will they hear without a preacher this word preacher and so this word in this word preacher I don't see any ref, any rel, rel, um any way it related to um angels but in Hebrew obviously it said the same word just the Greek didn't go the same way of course and sometimes they run parallel and sometimes they tell their own story the Hebrew and the Greek So, yes, that um, that word means uh, also means preacher, as the Magadim is also uh, believe is also a kind of preacher nowadays. So, well, <clears throat> that's right. It's, it's all over <laughs> Acts chapter seventeen. It's there. What? 
23, 13, 18, and 23. It's there all over it and, and every single time. Well, uh, let me just read Acts 17, verse 3. Uh, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and raise again from the dead. Saying, that's it right there. Uh, this Jesus who I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Right there, it's directly uh, related uh, to this word. That's what it uses in the Hebraic Bible source code straight from the Delich New Testament. Uh, verse 13, But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there as well agitating and stirring up the crowds. Right there, uh, proclaimed, I hear. Of course, uh, Paul speaking through the Holy Spirit. Here is why Delich here in this used that word, magadim. Um, well, actually... Magad. Well, actually, this actually was part of the Greek uh, side of this story. That wasn't on Hebrew. But it also was in this... The Hebrew word was in this chapter, too, in, chap, in verse 18. Right. That's that's what I'm it saying. Says, it's, it's in... It, yeah. Aaron. It says... Uh, yes? Aaron. You're talking about the Greek. I know it's there in the Greek, but I'm telling them in the Hebrew it's there in verse 3, 13, 18, and 23. Oh, yes. He was yes. talking about, uh, I'm was sorry, talking I got... about the Greek, son. Yeah, yeah. so sorry. be careful what you say with me. When I say that's what it says, that's what it says. If you were thinking about the Greek, and you're right, son, we have to remember that the reason why the Hebrew and the Greek will take you two different places, son. It's because it's a binary code. Yeah. Each I'm one has that. its each one has its own strata of data that the Lord is relaying to us. So um, it's important that we stress both things. And you were stressing the Greek, I was stressing the Hebrew. We were both talking about the same exact thing. There's a reason why the Bible source code works that way. There are parts uh, where it it flows to the same exact chapters and same exact verses, but it's going to be separated in its part as, like I said, a binary code. The ones have a part to play and the zeros have a part to play. And it creates a picture that's actually multidimensional. So there's no reason uh, to apologize. It's just, um, you need to get quick with that. You have to be quick with the right and the left. You have to be able to hear and to see. So, it's absolutely amazing, uh, everything that you've found so far. No doubt to that, correct? <laughs> Has it amazed you, Aaron? Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, the... So, uh, yeah, the, so the Iber, so the Iber as referring to a good spirit could only, you know, could, of course, Samuel would be, could be considered an Iber. The the spirit that runs amok now, the one that is here with us, here on earth, is the Lord's spirit, the Holy Spirit. Knows right. which is given to the ones who love him. So... 
that would be That's what right. these good that is what the good spirit is then there are the opposites the ones who are totally uh not not holy at all unclean as right. the as so, the word as as he is called the holy spirit they are the unclean spirits exactly and so there's this a is what the they're trying spirit. that's right that's what they're trying to invoke here this is well ladies and gentlemen this is what's to come they know that we have the Holy Spirit. They know exactly what Paul did. They they know the whole kit and caboodle. That's why they won't call him by his name. They won't call him Yehoshua. They call him Yashka. That's that's actually an insult. Okay? There is no K. They call him. <laughs> yeah. Yashka. They do not they will not call him by his name, by what their own scriptures proclaim him to be. But it's interesting to note, ladies and gentlemen, that this whole thing was wrapped up, not with the Hebrew, but with the Septuagint. That's where the Kabbalists got their information, was the Septuagint, not the Masoretic text. Now, when you understand that, when you know that, you realize what they have been keeping secret for hundreds of years. They know the Bible source code. Now, what they're seeking to achieve is have what we have with the Holy Spirit, only they want it for from something else. They don't even believe that the Spirit of God uh, can inhibit a man. They do believe, however, that uh, these maggots, whether they be the Dibbics or the Ibuers, well, it's not going to be the Holy Spirit, and they are, as I've already pointed out, going to be directly used by the Assyrian. I've pointed that out to you point blank. So please try to understand that uh, what they're hoping for. They're hoping to actually get Samuel back, and now you probably realize what form they're expecting Elisha to return as they set an empty place at the table for him at their holidays. They are not... They completely reject the idea of the Holy Spirit. Completely. So, everybody needs to know there's a whole lot more on the table here concerning the rise of the red heifer. And you need to understand that the Bible comes right out and tells you it's going to be used by the Assyrian. And he's going to be able to use these maggots to, of course, deceive. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what is it that is righteous according to the Jews? Of course, the Orthodox, right? Yes. Of course, they call them the sons of Zadok. They call them the Zadokim, Zadok in Hebrew means righteous. It's what he's going to use. They will be under his complete control and manipulation. That's exactly why the constellation Libra was invoked here for this announcement. It's got nothing to do with the righteous nor anything godly or holy. And you need to know this, and this should be screamed out from the rooftops. And you need to ask yourself this question. 
if this is so vitally important, if this was so linked directly to Bible prophecy, where are your preachers? Where are the Magadim? Where are they? Why am I a lone voice screaming this out? I and my son. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, son, it is well past your bedtime, isn't it, buddy? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. Well, Aaron, did you have any closing thoughts before we let you go? Because I'm probably in hot water enough with your mother letting you stay up. So why don't you give us your closing thoughts on where this is going and your thoughts about on what the Jews think about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the Assyrian being able to use uh, these entities to deceive uh, the, well, the Zadokim, those that are righteous. What's your thoughts about all, on all this, your, your closing impression? Well, well, I would... That's what, that's all they want. They all they want is to get the the rights, God's people off the path, and to trick them into doing what they want. They think they're doing God's will. Uh, if you think you're doing God's will, and like, as as for instance, when the Bible tells us that Satan comes uh, in the form of of an angel of light, too. So I, they, so they don't expect that. Whenever you see a demon coming to you, he he's going to look like a scary old monster that's going with you. He might come and look like your greatest dreams you've ever wanted, and he's only here to destroy you. So whenever the Bible tells us. Um, whenever God, whenever we are tested by these spirits, He's the Bible clearly tells us that to test the spirits, ask them the tr the true question: Did is Lord Jesus is Jesus Christ the Son of God, and have, was He raised up from the dead? And that is a question that they hate, which is probably which is why that's the only question that tells the truth. An angel of light will tell, will say, an angel of light will say, yes, but the wicked spirits won't. As far as we know, they would just leave you. So, look. Look for the good spirits and the bad spirits. So, that's what I wanted to say. Are you still there? We must we, we we must be incredibly careful with these types of things. Uh, because ladies and gentlemen, this is part uh of the deception of what is to come. And I want you to reconsider this. Maybe um well Maybe, ladies and gentlemen, the great deception is a whole lot deeper than you think. Yeah. And maybe the Assyrian is going to play puppet master to something a lot more evil than you ever thought about. 
Yes. Like I said, let me say it one more time. The Bible source code comes right out and tells you that the Assyrian is going to use this. So consider that. So, Aaron, um, thanks for coming on, buddy. I had a blast, man. Yeah, I did too. Uh, well, I I have I have one final uh, thing that I wasn't able to point out. It's just a little thing that um, this day, July 12, 2015, was the same day as the pass, passing of Rabbi Aharon of Modena. Um, his death was at 1639. Um, I remember, you remember that show we did? Last show we did? We did. Um, we and it mentioned the possessions in the church. And one of them, the Loden possessions, happened four, uh, happened five years before the, this man's death in Loden, France. That's right. Aaron. So it did. I thought I'd just point that out before I leave. All right, buddy. Um, thanks for coming on. Um, hey, get to bed. Uh, go ahead okay. and hang up and. We'll talk at you later, bud. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. God bless you all. All right. There goes my son, Aaron. Bad for not having even achieved his 15th year. Huh? Not bad at all. By the way, he and his brother is going to delve into the Hebraic Bible source code here um, very soon. Uh, we've already bought the curriculum uh, for them to start their formal studies uh, into uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew language, but make no mistakes about it. Both of those boys uh, are well familiar uh, with the Hebrew already. So I'm really uh, excited about that. So we are going to take a short break, and we're going to play oh, what I think I consider to be, uh, well, my theme song, because everybody knows I really don't want to be here anyway. I don't belong here. Amen. How about you? Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside sometimes it feels like i'm breathing but am i alive i won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find
good stuff. That is a good tune. Uh, if someone is asking a question in the chat room, yes, that was Samuel. It's not one of the demons. Uh, don't question yourself when it comes to the Bible. The Bible said, Samuel. So it was Samuel. And it was done prophetically so that we might see. Now, this is the only example uh, where God actually permitted uh, the raising of one of the righteous so that we would know we'd be able to see it. Please try to understand, ladies and gentlemen. That's why the Witch of Endor is in there and you've never been told. This had everything to do with the entity known as a maggot or a preacher <laughs> in the New Testament. Uh, just like it's that word used for the person that come to announce to David uh, the death of his son Absalom, which didn't go over very well, by the way. Uh, so just take note that we're talking about a false outpouring. Uh, they're not going to get the, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit among the Orthodox. They're going to get something else. And it's something very treacherous. So uh, when we take a look at this, um, and why they chose this date, of course, this was uh, to that the moon occulted the eye of the bull which is very prophetic in itself. They picked this day square for a reason. But you have to understand where all this comes from. And, and please remember, there's, there's only one verse uh, that they would have gotten this from. There's only one reason why they would have done this. That's, of course, directly related to Numbers 19.2, right there when it says the yoke. In the Septuagint, they got it from Libra. They knew to do this uh, when there was a sign in Libra. Of course, the sign of Saturn, the father. Um, everybody knows that to be uh, the father star. That's why they did it. They, of course, also knew to let it be on the same night that the eye of the bull was occulted by the moon, the faithful witness and it's waning. Of course, it was 26 days old, the moon was. Just look at your uh, lunar phase charts. It comes right out and tells you. Of course, 26. is in reference to the name of the Lord their God. However, that is not who they are serving, is it? They come out with this date and this report about the ashes of the red heifer because they knew what it said right there in the Septuagint. And... Uh, even the Hebrew makes it perfectly clear. You know, it's supposed to be their red heifer is what it's supposed to be. It says, <clears throat> and let them take for the red heifer. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no denying what the Lord intends to do in the future. There are, in fact, going to be the sons of Zadok, and they certainly will play their part in the kingdom of heaven. However, it's got nothing to do with these 
Kabbalist. Absolutely nothing to do whatsoever. <clears throat> so let's talk about this for just a minute. The first time this word comes up in the Greco Bible source code is Genesis 27, uh, verse 40. And thou shalt live by the sword, and thou shalt serve thy brother, and there will be a time when you shall break and loosen his yoke from off thy neck. Of course, this is in direct relation to Isis today, uh, because you need to know that Esau and Ishmael is tied directly in Bible prophecy. And everybody needs to know that when you go to their sites and translate everything into their language, Isis reckons themselves to Ishmael. That's what they're doing. They're reckoning themselves as being uh, Ishmaelite. They're reckoning themselves to being Esau in extrapolation. So that is why uh, Isis has begun to rise specifically on this verse right here, Genesis chapter 27, verse 40. The next time... Um, Libra is used is in Leviticus 19:35, and you shall not act unrighteously in judgment, in measures and weights and scales. There shall be among you just balances and just weights and just liquid measure. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Next time is also in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 13. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt where you were slaves, and I broke the band of your yoke and brought you forth openly, the Septuagint says. Openly. If you were to go back and check the sign of the scales, if you were to go back and check for a timeline, of, of course, the Middle, East, the Middle East uprising, as you all remember, and Isis, you're going to realize that if you would just watch the sign of the scales in the heavens, you could literally uh, look and see and know exactly when they're going to make their big strikes based on this verse right here. Their strikes are very planned and very pointed. But this is throughout uh, the scripture in the Old Testament. It's in 41 verses. But um, I did want to concentrate uh, there on Isaiah chapter 14 because it did come up today. Uh, this is very important that you're all able to see this. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, as far as Isis and Ishmael is concerned, they only call one place Babel. They only call one place Babylon. That's the United States. You probably should know that. They call us the great Satan. But when we uh, take a look here, um, I'll just read these verses 4 and 25 and 29 to 14. The Lord has broken the yoke of sinners, the yoke of princes. Even to destroy the Assyrians upon thy land and upon thy mountains, 
and they shall be for trampling, and their yoke shall be taken away from them, and their glory shall be taken from their shoulders. Just take note what I just said. The Bible already came out and told you uh, that the Bible, that the Assyrian was going to be able to pull strength over them, be able to attach a yoke to them. This is what this is in clearly in reference to how he's going to do it. He's going to use these entities to make the Jews think that there's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit when in fact there has not been. Verse 29. Rejoice not, all ye Philistine. By the way, there's no such thing as Palestinian. In their own tongue, it's Philistine, ladies and gentlemen. That, that, that's what it is. So let me just say this. I'll just speak this properly. Rejoice not all ye Palestinians, because the yoke of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the seed of the serpent shall come forth the young asp, and their young shall come forth flying serpents. Oh my goodness, how many times have we talked about how the Assyrian is going to be able to trample even the host of heaven. He's going to be given the command of the fallen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's coming right out right here in the Bible source code and giving it to you both barrels square in the chest. It's absolutely amazing uh, what's going on in that chapter. Now, I already talked about um, Daniel chapter 8, but... I think I will read this in its context. I'm going to read verses 18 through 26, but where Libra is used is, of course, in verse 25. That is the sign of scales. Or the sign of the yoke, perhaps we should call it in this study. But Isaiah, or Daniel chapter 8, verses 18 through 26. And while he spoke with me, I fell upon my face to the earth, and he touched me and set me on my feet. And I said, Behold, I make thee known the things that shall come to pass at the end of the wrath. For the vision is yet an appointed time. The ram which you sawest that had horns is the king of the Medes and Persians. The he goat is the king of the Greeks. The great horn which was between his eyes, he is the first king. As for the one that was broken in his place, there stood up four horns. Four kings shall rise out of his nation, but not in their own strength. At the latter time of their kingdom, when their sins are coming to the full, there shall rise a king bold in continence and understanding riddles. And his power shall be great. He shall destroy wonderfully and prosper and practice and shall destroy mighty men and the holy people. And the yoke of his chain shall prosper. There is craft in his hands and he shall magnify himself in his heart. And thy craft shall destroy many. He shall stand up for the destruction of many and shall crush them as eggs in his hand, and the vision of the evening and the morning that was mentioned is true. 
and do thou feel the vision many days. Let's go to Hosea chapter 12, verse 7. As for Canaan in his hand is a balance of unrighteousness, he has loved to tyrannize. Right there, the sign of Libra. Amos chapter 8, verse 5. And I've talked about this one more times than one. Saying, when will the month pass away and we shall sell and the Sabbath and we shall open the treasure to make measure small and to enlarge the weight and to make the balance unfair. Ah, yes, they eagerly await their pact with the Syrian. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. For then I will turn to the peoples a tongue for her generation, that they may call on the name of the Lord to serve him under one yoke. And here we come full circle with this first lady, gentlemen. You'll be able to see why I was able to say what I said earlier. They're reading this, and they think this is a good thing. For the sons of Zadok, such things will be a good thing. But not for them. For them it's going to be very treacherous indeed when the Assyrian rises to do what he's going to do. Let's take a look. I've already mentioned uh, that uh, this word here, uh, the sign of Libra, and why they're doing these things, is in Revelation chapter 6, verse 5. It is also um, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to read their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that in the name of God and their doctrine will not be spoken against. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Acts chapter 15 and verse 10. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a joke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Matthew chapter 11. It's here twice. Now I hope you understand just how prophetic it is what Jesus is talking about here, prophetically. Now, you'll take note that uh, this, of course, goes straight back uh, to Psalms uh, chapter 45. All right? And you have to realize uh, the dynamics of what's going on here. But here in these verses, uh, it's a direct quote uh, from the Psalms. Like I said, uh, you might want to uh, consider uh, that Matthew uh, chapter 11 in this uh, pronouncement to come to me, as we can all remember. Um, it's very important that you see that right here encoded is the sign of Libra in the heavens. I'll read from verse 25, but it's in verse 29 and 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden 
these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father. For this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right there twice is the sign of the scales or the sign of the yoke in the heavens. So prophetically speaking, the bridal procession needs to prepare herself for these types of things. We may be getting very close indeed whenever many of the Kabbalists come forth and start prophesying and their prophecies start coming true. I am very concerned for those in the bridal procession that proclaimed to be a part of the Hebrew Roots movement, they're not going to be able to see what's coming and it's going to blindside them. I'm sure they're very upset what my son shared tonight, but ladies and gentlemen, the Magad comes from the Greek. It comes from the Septuagint. It never came from the Hebrew. So you realize that one of those verses that I read said that, well, he was going to have understanding. He was going to, well, put forth the understanding of riddles. So everyone needs to brace themselves because this announcement was very important. The ashes of the red heifer being waited upon to release the announcement when the moon was occulting the eye of Taurus was no coincidence. And it was no coincidence that they ever tried to get to the Father other means than that means, which is the only way to get to him through the Son. And this being here in this quotation of the Lord Jesus Christ is very prophetic. So when you begin to see this great deception with the orthodox, know and understand in your heart who's pulling the strings of those spirits. It's the Assyrian. The Kabbalists know this. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're down, we're past the 100-day mark before Rosh Hashanah 2015. What very well could be 
the time of our testing. Matthew 24. You're going to go through that testing, but a lot of things had to take place first. You see, there's 2,300 days in the lead-up. We've already had the state of Palestine declared by UN. It's going to be voted on this summer by UN resolution. We already have the rise of ISIS, which you've heard on the Prophetico. And of course, ISIS, you look into the etymologies there, you find out that that is the spouse of the Assyrians. All these things are coming down the barrel. So it was very important for me to bring my son on tonight and let you see you yourselves can study all this stuff. He's just a boy. So it should alarm you that nobody pointed these things out to you that nobody was an understander of riddles. But I suggest that you take a look at that video, especially the sign there, which I obviously don't have time to cover, but I may make a part two of this. Just a riddle, what's in that sign, and it's fully displayed in its glory, of course, at the 153 marker. You need to take a look at those numbers, but the most important one is the two years and under. It comes right out to tell you this has everything to do with two years and under. I've stated it until I'm blue in the face, but I'll say it one more time. 1,010 days is nothing more than two years plus one birth cycle. It's 365 plus 365 plus 280. That's the difference between the 2,300 days, which Gabriel pointedly told us things were going to be happening in the heavens as he was speaking of the heavenly court. And he made it perfectly clear that after 1,010 days, the final period would begin, that being the first part of the tribulation of 1,290 days. After that, he gave warning to an additional 45 time, or 45 days when time would go topsy-turvy. This is a reference to the 1,300. And just so you know, he wasn't speaking using 24-hour days Gabriel was speaking heavenly. He was talking about 45 sidereal days. Just so you know. So, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, I hope uh, that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that I've given you a reckoning as to where to begin. These things are treacherously important for you to understand what's going on because it is by design. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, you can find me uh, at prophetical.net. 
Uh, I'll probably be doing some shows over here uh, on the Portico of Solomon. Uh, me and Kems and Jose is working on another episode right now. Uh, so we'll probably bring that to you next Sunday. If you want to get a hold of me via mail, it is prophetico at mail.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. I strongly suggest you send me a friend request over on the social networking site. Um, it's just right under my name, Matthew Miller, but you'll see the uh, Prophetico logo whenever you do the search on Facebook. I suggest you send me a, a friend request if you want to get prepared for the inception of those 1,290 days. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. <laughs>